Hey everybody, this is Marina, your podcast host out on Bust. Here we go. I don't bust. I interview amazing women in Chicago. There's so much woman power in this city that I want to provide these women a platform to tell their story. Please connect with us and please consider supporting by sharing, liking, commenting the podcast. Tell all your Netflix friends and family about it. Submit a recommendation for our guest. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app and donate by clicking on the anchor link and help me continue to make great episodes. I hope you enjoy and welcome to the show. Christine is, of course, the CEO of Cyber Pop-Up, an on-demand cybersecurity service platform powered by vetted and highly skilled cyber freelancers. He's, of course, also the author of Ultimate Guide to Building a Career in Cybersecurity, available now at shop.cyberpopup.com forward slash career dash guide. She has over a decade of experience leading cybersecurity functions with Fortune 500 companies and recently played a critical part in embedding cybersecurity in a large enterprise DNA by training the global workforce on cybersecurity, supporting execution of the organization's security strategy, and developing cyber talent pipelines. Prior to this, she led numerous security functions from vulnerability management to handling legal implications of data security. Today, through Cyber Pop-Up, she helps corporations of all sizes and industries solve a diverse range of strategic cybersecurity challenges on demand. Dr. Isakor is also active in the diversity and inclusion community. She was a co-founder and former vice president of GenTrend, United Airlines Millennial Business Resource Group, and served a two-year term as the head of head editor in the Illinois Diversity Council Editorial Board, volunteer and volunteers as a cybersecurity mentor with Europe. She's dedicated to increasing diversity within cybersecurity and has continually curated cybersecurity development and scholarship programs to further this agenda. Christine is a first-generation Nigerian-American, native Houstonian, Chicago resident, and avid traveler. She appreciates learning about different cultures and shares her journey on social media, igniting travel curiosity in folks across the globe. Welcome, Christine. Um, hey, everybody. This is Marina, your podcast host at Unbossed. My guest today is um, Christine Isakor. Christine, uh, how do you say that la- your last name? Uh, is Bokor. Yes. Um, she is the founder and steal a cyber pop-up uh, here in Chicago. I am super excited to have her on as a fellow techie. Uh, welcome, Christine. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Also, can I just tell you right off the bat, I had a stunt, a two-year stunt at University of Houston, back in Houston. I saw you went there, too. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love the campus. It was so awesome. Yeah, I love loved it there. That will always be home. I then ended up graduating from Northern Illinois University. But right off right since we're starting here, how did you get, you know, how did you get in tech as a little girl? Even like maybe was was it in college or how did that happen? Um, getting in tech as a, as a little girl definitely did not happen, was not a part of the, the vision at all. <laughs> um, yeah, in, in my household and in my culture, um, I was taught very early on that success meant being a doctor um, or being an, an engineer, maybe even, I guess, in, in some ways that might uh, bleed over into tech. But, um, but yeah, so I started out trying to be an eye doctor and I 
figured that out probably around the time I was like 16 um, is when I decided that I was going to be an eye doctor specifically. So I knew I wanted to be a doctor, but just wasn't sure what kind. Um, and yeah, I failed so miserably at that. It wasn't even funny. It was <laughs> so sad, um, but a huge blessing in disguise and something that I'm very thankful for because I, w I don't think I would make a very good doctor. I mean, I, feel like I truly believe I can do anything I set my mind to, but I don't think I would be <laughs> and, and happy about it by any means. Shout out to all the healthcare heroes out there. And so, um, so yeah, I, I ended up kind of uh, challenging the status quo and what was expected of me in my culture and in my family and just kind of taking my own path, um, which was, you know, scary. And there was a lot of uncertainty behind it. Um, and a lot of people asking me, am I crazy? But <laughs> I did it anyway. And I'm so glad that I did because I just love the, the tech space, yeah. um, love the cybersecurity space, which is where I focus the most. And so, yeah. so yeah, couldn't, couldn't be happier. What is um what is your uh, background? I think right. I know Iswakor. I I've never heard that last name before. It's super sounds super interesting. Oh uh, yeah, sure. I'm Nigerian. Both of my parents came here from Nigeria um, yeah. a couple of years before I was born. Awesome. Uh, does he mean something specifically? Uh, um. Uh, I feel like I should know this. <laughs> Mom, I can say that my, so Christine is actually, this is something a lot of people don't, don't know. Um, Christine is actually my middle name. Uh, my first name is Ogechuku. Um, which is an, a Nigerian name as well. And it means that God's time is the best time. Um, and so that's something that just means a lot to me and that I hold very, very near and dear. That is beautiful. Um, I know my African friends have had uh, name ceremonies for their children in which they give, give them multiple names. Uh, do you, in your, in your uh, culture, do you have other names that you, that you were given? Um, yeah, so we usually do, uh, at least in, in the last, you know, two generations or so, a Nigerian name, a sort of like Western or like American name. And then we always have a nickname or something for, for short. Um, and my nickname or my short name is Oge. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's uh, our language is Igbo. And so in Igbo, it just means time. Um, so it's a, a shortened version of my full name. And that's actually it's a name that has guided me like throughout my entire life. Like I'm so obsessed with the concept of time yeah. and I truly believe that time heals all and that with time you can get through anything um, good and, and bad. Um, and so, so yeah, that's, that's my, my other part of my name. I don't think I've ever told that story on, on here or like anywhere before. So this is <laughs> new. Well, you know, this is how it goes. I kind of like, uh, I kind of like have this affinity to, get into the deep meaning of things. Um, so growing up in a Nigerian household, um, are you um, an immigrant into the United States or how, how was how did that story happen? I, I asked because I'm an immigrant. I came here when I was uh, 18, 19, about that age. How about you? Um, yeah, sure. So I was born here. So both of my parents came, I think, a, a, just a couple of years before I was born. Um, and so um, thankfully, though, like, they were really big on making sure we were very immersed in the the culture and everything like that. So I've been back, of course, um, uh, several times. Like um, I've understand the the language pretty well. I can speak it to a certain ex extent. Um, but I remember my mom, like she would, she wanted to make sure that we all like got a lot of exposure. I have three siblings, um, and so we would alternate days of like some days she would 
speak English to us, and some days she would only speak Igbo to us. Oh, and cool. She like wouldn't talk to you if you didn't speak the language back, and so it kind of forced us to <laughs> learn as as much as we could. Um, and so, so yeah, I loved that. Like, I technically was born in the U.S., but very close and very deeply ingrained in our culture for sure. Nice. And so then, um, at some point, you decided, like you were saying, to take like not the common path that your family wanted to take and to try on a new things. Do you want to tell me about how did you make that this like maybe like what was it about that decision that um the circumstances of the decision and and how did it go for you? Uh yeah, sure. So it was a it was a tough decision, but it was one where I almost felt like I couldn't um I I couldn't fail. I think once you feel like you can't fail or like nothing else can go wrong, then then I feel like there's a little bit more courage. But basically what happened is around that time, um I had so much going on in, in my life. So I was um in college. Um I had failed for the first time um several different classes. So I was raised to believe that, you know, A's were average and B's were failure. And so to me like Get, not getting not getting A's and even seeing like an F on on my transcript in my first year in college um, was just devastating and so like I had that going on like I was in the middle of quite honestly a, a pretty toxic uh, relationship like I was working full-time to try to make sure that I could pay for things um, couldn't afford my dorm and so I was sleeping on the floor in somebody else's dorm or in the computer lab and so there was just a lot going on um, and so I feel like that was the year that I just kind of like broke in the best way um, because I started thinking about, okay, I'm doing all of these things, but what am I doing for, for me? Or what am I doing that truly like aligns with what I want out of, out of this life? Um, and so I said, you know, screw medical school and screw all of that. I'm just going to start taking different electives and trying to explore and figure out um, what I truly enjoy doing. And in the process of that, um, I came across a cybersecurity class that was just so fun to me. And I think it aligned so well with um, my personality and the things that I enjoyed as a kid. Um, and I think that's part of why it, it that aha moment was just very clear to me because I felt that same kind of childhood joy. Um, mm -hmm. So that was like a, a no-brainer decision for me to switch. Now it was a, a bit challenging because then it's like, I have to go back to my family and be like, hey, I'm not listening to, to you all. And I was a very obedient kid. Um, and so I just kind of prepared for that. The good thing though is my parents, as much as they, you know, at the end of the day, all they wanted was for us to succeed and to, to prosper and to, to be well. And so I think to them, I, I almost had a misconception that I would get in trouble or like something bad would happen. When in reality, like my, my parents especially uh, were super supportive and embraced that greater community, some aunts and uncles, maybe not so much, um, but they came around eventually. <laughs> That is so, so cool. What was it about cybersecurity and those, um, those things as a kid that you really enjoyed that connected, made it like it for you? Yeah, sure. So as a kid, like my mom would always say that I was very mischievous and I, <laughs> I liked, um, I liked breaking things, but in a way that people wouldn't know it was me. Um, and so I was kind of like the silent troublemaker. And so it's like when I think about cybersecurity and like um, hackers, um, there's good hackers and bad hackers, right? But it's like in, in any case, um, you're really like you have to be that mischievous person trying to break into <laughs> trying to break into things. And so I feel like when I got when I found out that I could like break into something and get paid to do it and it, build a career out of it, I was like, oh yes, this this is totally me. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. I have uh, similar tendencies. Like my tendency is more like I'll 
um, not necessarily like not breaking into things, but breaking things. Like anything that I can have my hands on and be like, I can show you how I can break this. It's really like I get a really good kick out of it. Yeah. That's why I'm also a builder because like, I got break things and then I build things. Build it back up. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's such a, a natural like connection. Yeah. Um, and so you then, um, I'm checking out your resume here, but um, you got super educated once you found out uh, that really cyber was your thing. You went to University of Houston, we were talking about. Um, you got your PhD from University of Colorado. Um, and tell me a little bit, like, how did the early days in your career uh, went for you? And, and for anyone listening, like, tech, like, maybe you can relate, but, like, tech is not necessarily one path fits all. So what was your path about going about, like, getting your started, uh, your start in tech in that way? Yeah, sure. So I feel like a huge part of it was influenced still by my culture and my family. It was like, okay, if I'm if I'm not um, if I'm not going to take the path that the traditional path that people ask, at least I'm going to try to like do do my best to make sure that I you know check every box and and have still you know like graduated and, and everything because it's just what was ex expected of me. Like I quite honestly like growing up, um, I thought that uh, undergrad was just what came out of came after high school and I thought that a master's was just came, what came after. Like I thought it was a part of the regular school system. I didn't realize that it was optional. <laughs> um, I didn't realize it was optional until I was like my senior year in high school is when I found out that those things didn't have to happen. Um, and so it was like by then, like I had already kind of laid, laid that path out. But either way, like I've, I'm, I've always been big on just like learning as much as I can about whatever I want to do to be the very best at it. I feel like especially in a in an industry like tech or in an industry like cybersecurity where quite honestly like there isn't it's 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 come a long way but there's still um you know challenges when it comes to diversity and and, and things like that and so i knew that you know in order to get half as much be 10 times as good like or twice as good or whatever it is insert number here and so i wanted to make sure that on paper um i had all of the credentials that i needed to get into a room but not only that that once I got into that room, I could hold my own and I could be the the very best. And so there's a ton of different ways to do that today, right? And I love that. Like you said, everybody's path is different. The path that I saw based on how I was raised in my culture was to go through school and power through it and learn as much as I could and then uh, go out. And so, um, so yeah, I, I did that. And the, the path that I basically took was, yeah, I did undergrad, um, ended up doing my my master's in, um, in uh, information security. And at that point, started doing an internship. I had planned to go through with my PhD the entire time, but quite honestly, there was a, a conversation that I'll um, I'll never forget with a mentor, who um, basically told me when I shared this dream of like, yeah, I'm going to go on to get my PhD because, yeah, I want to work in the industry, but I also want to teach and I want to you know help the next generation of students and start to educate people. Um, and he basically kind of discouraged that and said, you know, like, what could you possibly contribute at you know that age. I think I was like 28, 22 at the time. Um, and so I kind of put a pause on pursuing my PhD for a year and just started working, um, which I think was, uh, I have no regrets, right? Like good, good experience. I really got to dig deep into the work that I was doing and learn a lot more, but I quickly realized that my reasons for not going for, for that next milestone 
um, were not coming from me. It was more of like projection or, or something from the outside. And so um had to, to deal with that. But then also realize that like I have this this greater purpose and this epic thing that I want to do and I'm going to do it. And it's going to help me in the long run. It's going to help other people in the long run. And so, um, so yeah, I went ahead and did that and then eventually just continued to work and grow in my career. Yeah. And um, uh, you, you even have listed that you worked at Home Depot for a little little while um, well I wonder like one like what why is it still there is it is there something meaningful there that you want to share and the reason because you know like maybe another person would have not even mentioned that um yeah that I so yeah I worked at Home Depot as a cashier for quite some time um and yeah I mean I feel like one of the impacts that that role had um on me or getting me into uh, leadership at a young age. So I ended up, and at the time I was still in college, can't remember how old I, I was, probably, I don't know, 19, 18, 19 years old. Um, but I worked really hard and got promoted to a manager, essentially. And so at this point, I'm leading people who, in some cases, are, you know, 20, 30 years older than me. And so I learned so much through that experience of how to navigate that dynamic and how to just, you know, lead and, and encourage a team and all of that. And so by the time I got into my uh, career in the corporate sense and in cybersecurity, um, I was kind of placed in the same position. It's like I, I graduated um, college. I, I started in my first cybersecurity job when I was probably 20, 21, 22. And so um, I was again surrounded by people from not just not, not not just different ages, but just different backgrounds, right? And I feel like being able to lead a team um, in that environment in Home Depot really translated well and set me up for success as I started to get into that career and as I started to quickly lead teams there as well. Nice, I I love that, especially since you mentioned before, um, cybersecurity is a field that is not very diverse. What is the stereotype well what is the stereotypical persona of a cybersecurity person and then i'm sure it's not you <laughs> i wonder how did you feel as you were learning it like early career or, or, or education like how do you feel about being probably the only black woman among you know i don't know what is this white <laughs> middle-aged men doing cyber yeah, yeah, no. I mean, thankfully, I, I can say we've we've come a long way as an industry. Of course, we're not um, we're not one hundred percent there yet. But I meet so many really cool um, black women in cybersecurity, people of no. color in cybersecurity, everything. And so um, I just continue to get excited for it, especially looking at the um, next generation that's, that's coming up and people who are like coming out of school today and and everything. I have so many people reach out to me, and I'm just like, yes, I'm so excited to see. Um, <laughs> such different backgrounds and such diversity coming into the, to the industry. Um, so, so yeah, but I think that the, the biggest misconception um, within cybersecurity professionals is that you're kind of this sort of doom and gloom, um, you know, hacker in a hoodie in a basement doing bad things. Um, right. And so, or even on the good side, it's like ethical hackers tend to be people who, um, from a perception standpoint, used to be bad hackers and then eventually decided to fight, <laughs> um, which isn't always the case either. And so I think there's just a lot of um, a lot of misconceptions around around that, um, just like sitting at a computer all day when the reality is like that couldn't be further from the truth, right? And I feel like my career has been such a prime example of that. 
um, because I mean, sure, I, I learned how to code to, to a certain extent and, you know, hack into some things on a very basic level, but um, by no means is that even 10% of, of my job today, or I think at any point in my career, not to say that some jobs in cybersecurity aren't that, um, but, but there's just so many different, uh, there's so many different paths. And I think for me, one of the things that I loved in my career, especially was working within an airline for so long. I spent quite a bit of my um, career working in cybersecurity at United Airlines. And so when you do cybersecurity for an airline, it's honestly one of the coolest things ever because um, there could be, you know, times when you have to go out to airports and do security assessments or um, go out and, you know, train and talk to flight attendants and pilots and um, be all over the place. And so, like, I really loved that role because I got to uh, protect a, uh, an area that is so critical when you think about just like critical infrastructure uh, around the world, um, but also to interact with people and just be able to explore. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Absolutely. Um, United Airlines, then you actually got to teach as well cybersecurity. Um, in which which schools and university did you teach? Or are you still teaching? Um, yeah, so the main one uh, was Robert Morris uh, here in Chicago. Um, but I recently started developing courses with Udacity. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely as more students embrace kind of online learning and um, different paths to, to cybersecurity as well. And so I'm working on my second um, course as a part of one of their cybersecurity uh, nano degrees there. And I love those because... Um, one, just their their model and their way of teaching is really cool, but also it's content that can live on, um, right, and reach a, um, so many more people. So, uh, so yeah, I, I love, I love, love, love teaching. <laughs> nah, you're very busy. That's I, that's really cool. I can relate to that. I like to do a lot of things myself. Um, before we move into cyber pop up, which I think we're gonna spend um, a little bit rest of our time there. I was wondering if you could give the people that don't know, maybe have heard of cybersecurity and then don't know what is really about, and as you were talking about cybersecurity not being necessarily only coding, can you break it down for us and tell us like what major areas is uh, cybersecurity and maybe like a brief description of kind of like those areas? Uh, yeah, sure. So I think the most basic way to describe cybersecurity is you're trying to protect systems and data from bad things happening. <laughs> bad things happening can be a lot of different things. Yeah. I think one of the biggest misconceptions that we see in the headlines is that, oh, there's been a breach, there's been data leaked and all of that. That's only one form of cyber attack, right? So the three main components of cybersecurity are attacks against confidentiality. So that's where data does get leaked or exposed when it shouldn't. So I think, you know, customer data gets out. You don't want your healthcare records um, out there. Um, there's people selling all kinds of data on the dark web, uh, right? So there's the confidentiality piece, there's the integrity piece. So you don't want people to be able to go in and change data that they shouldn't be able to change, right? If somebody can go to Chase and hack into their system and um, change their bank account to say a million dollars, which is really not a million dollars there, that's not good. That messes up data integrity. And so that's one piece. And then the last piece is availability. So you want to make sure that as a company, all of your um, systems and data are available when you need them. And so when attackers go and do things like um, uh, launch ransomware attacks where they lock access to your data and say you have to pay to get access back to it, you can't run your company without that access. And so um, I feel like it, that's the best way to, to sum it up. If you don't remember anything else about security, just remember you need to protect confidentiality, integrity, and it. Uh, availability. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Thank you for that summary. Recently, I think two things come to mind. One that we mentioned earlier was the Colonial Pipeline hack. 
And then this morning I was reading about the Enom technologies that the FBI um, were actually tra- trying to track criminal activity via text messaging. Did you hear about that one too? Yes. Um, and uh, oh, actually the, the third one, or maybe the second one that I wanted to mention even before the FBI one was um, the leak of the tax returns of the top most richest men that just have actually... They're trying to figure out how did that happen. Any of this, uh, any of this issues like uh, stroke, um, I don't know, a soft point for you and you want to chat about? Yeah, sure. So I think that it's right now, quite honestly, the cybersecurity space is almost like the wild, wild west. Like there's always something new happening Mm -hmm. and something that's going on. Um, I think one of the biggest, um, uh, lessons learned or or eye openers for most people. For me, I work in the industry day in and day out, and so it's not as surprising. But a lot of these attacks start with human beings. They they start with um, somebody accidentally clicking on a you know phishing link, or somebody accidentally um, uh, sharing their credentials with with someone, or not keeping them safe in a way that people are able to get in. And um, all of the sources of those breaches haven't been confirmed, but I I can can. I'm not going to say promise, but I'm pretty sure at some point there was human error. Like that's how 90 something percent of, of attacks start. And so I think for me, like the the biggest thing when it comes to cybersecurity is, is first about like focusing on people and educating people and looking at the this human element of, of security. That's something that I'm really passionate about because I feel like if, if you can educate people, you can probably get rid of majority of the risk. And then the technology and the processes and all of those other things are kind of there to catch the rest of it. Um, but if you look at it from the opposite standpoint, it's like you can spend millions of dollars on technology to try to um, protect systems. And if somebody can go in and just turn it off or somebody can go in and say, well, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm going to, you know, do thing. Yeah. <laughs> or bypass it. Um, then all of the million dollars that you spent, like it doesn't matter anyway. Right. How do we, um, and could we at some point remove the human, the human element from um, security and cybersecurity? Never, never. I, never. I don't, yeah, I don't think so. I feel like, I mean, human human beings are a part of of, of everything. Like they're 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 always going to be. There's no way to 100 uh, percent remove that risk. I feel like there's some interesting things going on with like artificial intelligence right now, where I think that. Um, uh, AI and machines will work hand in hand very closely with, with human beings to try to automate and reduce some of the risk. Um, but at the end of the day, like people are people, um, people are going to make mistakes and that's okay. Right. Like we don't expect people to be, to be perfect. Um, but again, I think that the more you can at least like make people aware of the basics of what they should and shouldn't do, then you can still reduce a ton of that risk. So then it becomes more of a game of planning around those mistakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would say planning to proactively proactively prevent uh, some of those mistakes. Yes. Got it. Um, And um, how much are you involved with like identity and and cybersecurity? The reason I ask is because I'm a huge proponent to potentially do a virtual voting or e-voting system like electronic voting system for uh, like the country mm-hmm. uh, i wonder if you by any chance have given this topic any thought at some point and and what do you think about it from a cybersecurity perspective 
Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I've, I've been involved in the identity and access management uh, space from a strategic level. I feel like it's probably one of the most um, uh, rapidly growing areas in, in cybersecurity, especially when you think about the growth in like the use of biometric data and things like that. There's all kinds of stuff there. And so I feel like there it's a um, it's a complex <laughs> topic, right? Because it's like on one end, uh, uh, biometrics and identity um, at that level that I think they would need to use to start to do like e-voting or, or, or things like that. I feel like um, on one end, you get higher accuracy and it's more trustworthy, right? Especially when you're adding in uh, well, multi-factor and, and, and different components, components like that. But at the same time, there's also the battle of like privacy and like, how do you protect that data? And like, if if everybody's biometric data gets you know leaked out, or you have another war on your hands, right? And so, um, so yeah, it's a it's a complex conversation, and there's like two sides to it. And I understand both. <laughs> That's so cool. I'm looking forward to seeing you involved in those conversations more, um, and hearing what turns out from that. Um, but for now, we are have reached now where you've started uh, Cyber Pop Up. You want to tell us how you went from, work, I think, working at United for until December 2019, and then probably something happened, and I would love to know what happened, and then made you start Cyber Pop-Up. Uh, yeah, sure. So actually, the Cyber Pop-Up, the, the idea from different angles had kind of been brewing for a while. Um, I think that Part of what happened in my journey and what I appreciate is by jumping around different areas of security within my career, um, I got a good taste of the things that I absolutely loved and was obsessed with and had so much fun with. And the things that in cybersecurity, it's like, okay, I'm glad I know how to do this, but I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> um, and so through that process, I kind of identified like the things that I'm really passionate about. And again, that's the human element of cybersecurity. It's being able to develop talent and build talent pipelines in cybersecurity because there's a, a huge talent shortage, of course. Um, and just being able to solve very you know, complex and systemic problems. And so I feel like it, through that journey, I had this aha moment when I realized that my long-term goal when I got into the cybersecurity industry was to become a chief information security officer. And through that journey, I realized that that's not what I wanted to, that's not what I wanted to do at the, at the end of my career. That wasn't the, the path for me. And so that's when I found myself at this kind of critical moment in my career where it's like, okay, um, I know what all of my passions are and everything. I know that the next step in my career is not necessarily the step that I want to take at this point. And so what can I do? And it's just like all of the stars aligned at that point to where the problem that we're trying to solve through cyber pop-up was very real and the time was like now and everything aligned there. And I had this realization in my, in my career. And so it was just a very um, uh, clear decision uh, to kind of take that leap of faith. Um, and I did some, I did some, you know, preparing for that, right? Like I didn't just like wake up one day and say, Hey, I'm going <laughs> to jump ship and start my own company. Um, and so, yeah, I, I had started to, you know, kind of, kind of build things and, and work from there. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's been, I feel like it's, it's been such a perfect journey to me. Like I wouldn't have changed a single thing. Um, cause I learned so much and contributed so much and I'm excited for this next chapter. I feel like there's a the theme of time coming back where you're like, oh, this is like the perfect time. And mm -hmm. this is the perfect time. Yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, I love I love that you have that clarity um, 
in all your decisions um and also makes me wonder like how did you do you have any strategy in which you gain that clarity because maybe some people or some women out there that are thinking about starting something don't feel as there's as clear um can you what would you Save them, I guess. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, there's there's not a, an easy an easy answer to this. I think that for me, there's two things. One, I always keep in mind what my greater purpose is. Like, I know that my my ultimate goal in life is to um, reach my full potential and share the journey with hopes that it inspires other people to reach their full potential. And so, any decision that I make, anything that I do. I run it through that filter. Like, does, does, this, does this align? And if it doesn't, then I don't do it. Um, and so I think that's one piece. I think the second piece on a more tactical level is um, if I think about something more than, I would say, like five times without taking action on it, then that's a problem. That's a sign to me. It's like if something come back into my mind that many times, it's there for a reason. And now I'm making a conscious choice to ignore what the universe is, is telling me um and so so yeah I feel like that's the that's the other key for me because it's like even with cyber pop-up like I, I got to a point where like everything was pulling me towards this idea and like I had no choice but to be like okay I have to do something about this tell, I mean, me, tell me more about it what was like everything pulling you um, it'd be like, I, I would just wake up and it's what's on my mind. I remember I went to a cybersecurity conference, um, and like every, every session, um, every conversation that somebody would come up to me to like network, I'd be like, oh my gosh, my company is going to solve this problem. Like, <laughs> and so it was just like every, there were so many different signs through these different channels. Um, but I think that the other piece though, is you, I had to have the level of awareness and the level of presence in that moment to be able to read those signs otherwise like I wouldn't have and I think that 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 timing around that time became important because I feel like those nudges and things were probably there all along I think I was just finally at a point where I was thinking about okay what's my next step what's next here now that I know this isn't my career like and so my mind opened up a bit more and everything just was like okay now I can see it now I can hear all of these signs um, what does a uh, cyber pop-up do? Sure. So it is an on-demand platform for cybersecurity services, and it's powered by vetted and highly skilled freelancers. So basically what we're doing is bringing cybersecurity expertise to businesses who typically can't hire a full-time cybersecurity team in-house um, or bring on full-time experts, though they need the same cybersecurity services. So if you think about, for example, um, a, let's say a, a small business with, let's say, uh, 10 employees, it could be, you know, 100 employees. If they don't have a cybersecurity expert in-house and they get attacked or they get breached, you know, like, what, what, do, what do they do? Um, that's not the time to start trying to go look and find a consulting agency that's going to be um, probably too expensive or try to go to a freelance platform and find random people. And so there wasn't really a solution that people could work with quickly and that people could trust and that is affordable. And so, yeah, that's where we come in. That's beautiful. Um, how is it going? It's going really well. Yeah, I feel like the last year, it, it hasn't. We, we announced our launch in July of last year, so it hasn't been a full year yet. Um, but so much has happened in between from um, us getting uh, accepted into the Google for uh, Black Founders uh, uh, startup fund, which was um, amazing. The, the Google team has just provided us with so much 
um, support and so much insight and all of that. Um, we have a couple of exciting, I can't like say, say too much, say everything, but, uh, but look at, but we have some exciting announcements and things that are coming down the pipeline. But, but yeah, I would just say generally speaking, um, one it's, it's been an, um, an inspiring experience, quite honestly, to start a company in the middle of a pandemic. Um, because what I think what would scare me, like if I was looking at this maybe like two years ago, like thinking about the situation, like I would be scared out of my mind. Um, but I think that the amount of just support that is, um, um, has come out and the amount of people who are really willing to do what they can to, to help and who truly want to see us succeed um, has been has been good. Like our, our customers are great. Um, the, the team is great. And so, yeah, I just couldn't be happier with the company. Amazing. That's so cool. Tell me, um, the best thing about you being in charge, like funding this company, you being in charge uh, of your company, that maybe was not so obvious when you uh, when you thought about starting up. Yeah, I think that the biggest thing has been being able to build a culture that reflects like me and like my values and. Um, you know, they say like be the the change that you want to see and, and all of that. And so I feel like when I build this company, like having the freedom to um, be able to, you know, tell my team like, hey, put mental health first and like take as, as much time as you need to do that. And like, um, you know, looking at things from a results standpoint and from a goal standpoint and performance standpoint versus you must be at your desk from nine to five every day. It's like, those are things that I feel like, especially early in my career, I struggled with quite honestly. Um, and so I think being able to take all of those lessons learned and be able to build a company culture that truly, I think, puts people first and allows people to thrive being their true, authentic, best selves. Like that's the most important thing I realized in my career that the only way that I could grow was to be my, my best self. And so I feel like creating an environment where other people can do the same um, is the best environment to have. And so, yeah, I feel like there's been a, a ton of benefits. Like I love the, the, the freedom um, uh, and all of that, but I think the biggest piece has been being able to build that culture. Nice. Amazing. I'm so happy you're looking forward to building that culture too, in a way that is proactive versus just doing exactly what somebody else did because you were thought so. That's really cool. <laughs> what is something that perhaps I was like, I did not expect to do this and I don't really don't like this, but you know, I have to do it anyways. Uh, that maybe surprised you. Um, yeah, sure. So I think that for me, I, I spent the last 10 years knee deep in nothing but cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. um, even if I was, you know, teaching and speaking at events and doing it, like most of the time it was about cybersecurity. And so to take a step back now and run a company, it's like I had to learn everything. And so it's like, one day I'm submitting trademark applications with the lawyer. The next day I'm like reviewing contracts and looking at financials and doing like, and so it's just like all of these and like creating social media posts and marketing. And so it's like all of these different areas of business um, that I just like wasn't working in day in and day out uh, to now do all of them um, was 
quite honestly, like super, super educational. Like I learned a lot and I feel like it was, it was fun. I'm the kind of person that before I ask anybody to do anything or before I hand anything over, I want to do it myself at least once and just like learn it inside and out. And so every different business function, I've done that. And so there's places where, you know, to, to your point or to your question earlier, um, I, I wouldn't want to continue to do like, um, legal, not, not so fun to me, yeah. accounting and finance stuff. Not yeah. so fun. Me. Like I like seeing data and numbers and all of that, but I like whatever I need in a pretty package to make decisions. Like I don't want to be. <laughs> Can I just like have this? And <laughs> yeah, I know I get it. That's that's awesome. Um, what are maybe one or two lessons um, that you carry with yourself? I know we talked about actually a couple of them. We talked about you know reaching your potential and being authentic and learning or hearing the signs being present. Is there any other lesson um, that you want to share about running a company that you've learned? Um, and that was like, oh yeah, I need to write this one down because I want to remember it. <laughs> yeah, I think that be it um, starting a company or in life in general, and this is something that I'm embracing a lot more, especially over the last month or two, is gratitude. And I know a, a lot of people talk about this, but it's it's so huge to me right now. I think everything from um, the the smallest wins is like it doesn't matter. Like if 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 something something will go wrong always at, at some point, right? Like something's gonna go not the way that you planned it. And I think that in those moments, when I take a step back and think about all of the things that I'm grateful for and all the things that are going right, it's it's impossible for me to ever be down about anything mm -hmm. or to be sad that something, you know, happened this way when I didn't want it to in the company or so on. And so I think that for, for companies, for, for entrepreneurs, for, for people in general in their lives, I feel like when you hit those roadblocks and when things aren't, aren't going as well, I feel like taking that second to just be grateful for so many other things that are, are going on or for whatever that, if there's not a lot of great things going on for that one small piece that you can be thankful for. I, um, I remember, um, like two days ago, I was listening to this one um, uh, book. I use Audible a lot. And it was saying that the to be thankful for the ground supporting you. And I was like, man, like I like that that's <laughs> no, like that's so true. Like I would fall. <laughs> and so it's like you can I say that to say there's always something that you can be thankful for. And it always just tricks the mind to be a little more um uplifted. And so yeah, that would be my biggest lesson learned. <laughs> I love it. I really love that. Like to be thankful for the air, the oxygen, the air, you know, like just right. things that we just take for granted um, that are around us. That's really cool. Um, uh, not, I'm not saying you regret anything, but if you were to give yourself an advice at a younger age, uh, now that you know what you know, what would that be? Um, I think. The biggest advice still to this day would be twofold. One, that I'm enough. I think I spent quite a bit of time, especially earlier in life and in my career, trying to overcompensate and check all of these boxes and do all of these big things to fill a void that I felt like it without those things, I, I wouldn't matter. Like I, I wouldn't be worthy of love and so on. And so um, I think that going back and telling myself, hey, no matter what you do, like you're enough and you're going to be okay. 
um, is a huge um, a huge piece to this. And then I think the the second piece is to just like enjoy the ride. Like I wouldn't change anything. I've definitely had some ups and downs, but I think as long as you can again show that gratitude and celebrate the little things along the way. Um, I think that the the journey is just so important and so fun. And so, yeah, I think that's the, that's the other piece. Like you're enough and make sure that you enjoy the ride. It's going to be a roller coaster. We'll put your hands up in the air <laughs> and just have a good time. <laughs> that is awesome. And especially uh, talking about that, I want to kind of like break out a little bit because I've been asking a lot of questions. I was wondering like, what is, what is, what is a story that you can tell about where you see yourself going next or where you see your company going next is like a future, make it the future of the story. And I just wanted to record this and have it out there. And then for you to come back in a few years and be like, not exactly how I thought it, but pretty close. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I feel like I, I'm so clear in my purpose that I'm not going to say, you know, they say never say never, but I don't think this is going to change. Like my, my goal at the end of the day is to reach my full potential. And I feel like as long as I'm here, like there's more potential to reach. And so it's like a never ending thing. And so it's like my, my vision for myself, for the company is, is just that it's like, we're going to continue to reach the milestones that, that we have. For me, it's to have an impact in the world and to you know inspire more people and so on. For the company, it's to continue to secure um, small and medium-sized businesses, especially, and, and grow from there. And I think that once we reach that potential and get to that point, we're going to set our eyes on something much bigger, right? And what that is... Um, I don't know 100%, but that's the exciting thing. Like, I, I love that, like, not like not knowing what's possible, but knowing that there's so much out there um, is really exciting to me. So, um, so yeah, I know it's probably not the most straightforward. No, it's answer, great. But, it's great. It's yeah, great. I'm, I can't wait to see, or I look forward to seeing, like, what that is, like, when the time comes. That is so beautiful. And it almost feels completely perfect to end uh, the interview right here. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today it has been a pleasure um and i hope you have the greatest success personally and professionally i'm a huge fan so i'll be cheering you on from uh, wherever i am honestly <laughs> thank you so much it has been my pleasure to join and this has been such a good conversation so many good questions that i've quite honestly some i've never been asked before <laughs> the, the unique spin on the conversation so thank you and same to you i appreciate um all that you're doing to really spotlight uh women leaders um and just you know continue to, to help people and put that word out and so wishing you all of the the best as well and looking forward to watching your journey too thank you There you have it. I hope you liked this episode and please don't forget to share, like, comment on the podcast link. Tell all your networks and friends and family about it. Submit a recommendation for guests at Subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Donate by clicking on the anchor link and help me continue to make great episodes. You can find all this information on www.embossed.io. See you next time. Oh, that was good.